Hello. Hey, everybody. I feel like that's the standard podcast opening to almost every podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. No, I'm kidding. Uh, well, it's just the headers. If you heard that awesome music by The Absurdist, then you know what time it is. It's, uh, yeah, it's time for Just the Headers. Jesse, tell them what Just yeah. the Headers is. It is the crypto show about... The headlines in crypto brought to you by the Bitcoin Podcast Network. There you go. You just hit the nail on the head right there. Cool. We're giving you the headlines so you don't have to go get them your damn self. That's what I'm talking about. How was your week, Jesse? It's pretty good, man. Can't complain. Just been doing stuff. I can dig it. So, I... You? How was my week? Yeah. It was great. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay. So I I used to be one of those people that was in the camp of like get pineapples out of the can. It's easier. It's quicker. Not anymore, baby. So oh. Oh, don't tell me you <laughs> cut into a fresh pineapple. I cut into a fresh pineapple, <laughs> baby. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. Well, I can't say this happened this week, but it did happen a couple weeks ago. And I just forgot to tell everybody. And so I was in San Antonio, not on the East Coast. I have two two homes. No, I'm kidding. I was in San Antonio. And have you ever had a fresh, like, fresh, fresh pineapple? Um... Yeah. I didn't know what I, I was doing. So, like, I don't know. I I, I just kind of, like, cut the skin off. Like, that's my standard go-to with anything that I've never encountered for. Skin it. So I just kind of cut the skin off with a knife, and I had this weird, irregular decagon, decagonal prism sure. of a pineapple. You cut okay. That's a lot. Okay, yeah. I you know I was just cutting the skin. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't cut like I didn't eat the core because that looked disgusting. And oh, okay. I just kind of like cut off the edges, and I had these. Uh, I guess like you call them irregular uh, trapezoids. Slice, okay. Like picture irregular trapezoid, <laughs> trapezoidal prism chunks of pineapple yep. yep and let me tell you something so i threw them in the freezer so they could get cold fast okay and then it was so amazing like i'm just gonna spend so much more time in the fruit aisle i feel like because <laughs> like fruit is it's like one of those things like you take your time preparing it and then once you just bite into it it's like the reward is so it's just so good. That's all. I mean, fresh fruit is like candy. Some of it. Yeah. Like natural candy. It definitely is. I can get down with that. They need to make... So, have you ever had uh, cod candy grapes? Yeah, I have. Oh, dear lord. So, they are amazing. <laughs> you and, like them? Oh, I love them. But they need to make nerds flavored grapes. Mm. Make little tiny... Like, use genetics to make... Little tiny grapes, and then make them taste yeah. like nerds. Oh my okay. goodness! We'd have kids eating healthy all over the world. I'm pretty the sure they candy. they the cotton candy version, and they would like that just as well as the nerd version. Oh yeah, I guess. So what we actually need to do is get nerd to talk to the makers of the cotton candy grape, 
partnership, boom, you already have the flavor of grape, right? And don't nerds usually come in grape and cotton candy in that little box? Uh, they can come in blueberry. They can come in pink lemonade. They can come in, um, what else? Oh, so you're a nerd connoisseur. No, I just know a few flavors. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you had your coffee? I did. Okay. We're ready to go. So let's let's hop into these. I'm picking up what you're putting down. No, no, no. no. I'm drinking coffee-flavored protein shake. A coffee-flavored protein shake right now. What is that doing for you? <clears throat> it's supplementing my protein for the day. Oh, okay. You back in the yeah. gym in the Wiz 8s? I'm doing it again. Nice, I'm going to move back up. Yep. The world wasn't ready for uh, Pumped Jesse before, <laughs> but I think they'll, they'll be ready now. Oh, yeah. Okay. We should try and make you like your own category, Crypto's Hottest Man. Whoa. And then okay. just put it out there. Okay. So <laughs> let's let's work on that. You work oh. on being Crypto's Hottest Man. I'll work on making sure people know. Okay, deal. Do I have to like post uh, Instagram pictures, like selfies or something? I definitely think you're going to have to do that. I do. Okay, I can do it. Yeah. Can you find me sponsors that'll pay? I could try. You just heard in our Bitcoin podcast recording how great <laughs> we are finding sponsors. <laughs> God. We haven't looked in a while. I, I'll just be honest there. It doesn't... The thing is... Okay, we're going to get into the headlines, but the thing about making a podcast is the overhead is very low. So uh-huh. you hit some home runs, and yeah. you can literally run your podcast for like a decade. So we're not like in this rush. It's like, you know, the cost is very low. So, you know, we just kind of been like, you know, we could run this podcast for years. So we're going to yeah, change Yeah, but I think that. if you want to expand, like, like if you want to be like hot ones – you know, you can do the same kind of episode, but then if you want more reach, you have to have more, more mediums. More money, right. And, and yeah, yeah. If you have more money, you can have more people, more people, better quality of, of recording. You know, you have multiple different options where to record, how to record, who to record with. So I don't know. I think you're right. I think we need to get on the ball and leverage. Leverage my Instagram. Yep, leverage your Instagram, leverage all of our Instagrams, <laughs> leverage our numbers. Like, we actually do really well as a network. So, um, but anyways, sorry, listeners. You don't need to know all that nasty stuff about podcasting. You're here for news, and we're going to give it to you. So, the first article from last weekend uh, is written by Stephen O'Neill. That's from Coin Telegraph. It might be Stephen. Uh, makes more sense to be Stephen, actually. Cointelegraph, uh, Forbes FinTech 50 list reviewed new players, veterans, and startups which didn't make the cut. Mm. So recently, Forbes published a fresh edition of its FinTech 50. It's a thing that they do where they say, hey, here's FinTech people, and here's 50 of them. Uh, it counts the world's top financial technology firms. Uh, notably, there are just six crypto blockchain companies featured this year. So we're going to list them off, and then we're going to move, keep it moving. The veterans, Ripple. Um, really? Ripple? Really? Yeah. Okay. Bitfury, Coinbase. Uh, the newcomers were Circle, which is weird that they're calling it a newcomer, because Circle has been around for almost as long as Coinbase. Gemini, Axani. I've never heard of Axani. Let's see what they do. Enterprise-focused, New York-based blockchain startup Axani is perhaps the least recognized newcomer on the crypto part. Just what do they do? Led by Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs. Oh, convenient. Struck several partnerships with major financial institutions, so it's a Goldman Sachs thing. Who was left out? Um, Stellar. Binance. Chain. Shapeshift. Chain. Yeah. Um, Symbiont, Zappo, Robinhood. Um, so a lot of people were left off that list. So, I, which is a good thing if you ask me, because we just rattled off like eight people that are damn worthy enough to be on that Fortune 50. 
um, but are. So it means that the ecosystem is getting robust. Oh, Robinhood is featured on the on the um, list on the fintech oh, fifty list for the second year in a row, apparently. Ah, Robinhood's doing great things. <laughs> they are. I don't know why they call themselves Robinhood. I know that story. That's not what they're doing. So. <laughs> Anyways, moving on to the next article by Anna Berman. Um, Bifinex resumes trading after unexpected two-hour outage as crypto markets surge. So this was uh this would have been this has seven thousand six hundred twenty-five total views, two hundred twelve shares. Um, this would have been on February 9th, my mother's birthday. Happy birthday, mom! Shout out. Hong Kong-based cryptocurrency exchange Bitfinex notified users in a tweet Saturday, February 9th, that it had temporarily gone offline for all users as crypto markets saw major gains. Isn't that convenient, Jesse? How they just stop working when people most likely want to sell. That's how every exchange is, right? <laughs> oh, it's crazy. We know you guys want to make your money. We're maintenance. We're doing some maintenance back here. Sorry. Here's some more. However, 30 minutes later, Bifinex clarified that it had gone offline for all of its users, citing poor choice of wording as the reason for the misinformation. Oh, you don't think. Here's a here's a quote from Bitfinex. We apologize for our previous tweet and the rush to make users aware of our issue promptly. We were poor in the choice of wording. We can confirm Bitfinex is offline to all users. Please be assured that phones are safe. We will communicate here with further updates. And another quote, the issue that caused this downtime was attributed to connectivity. Your safety is our top priority, and we can confirm that all funds were safe during this period. So as of right now, all funds were safe. It's not a quadriga incident. So pump your brakes if you're thinking about picketing the uh, corporate offices of Bitfinex. Pump your brakes. And for the last quote from last, sorry, last article from last weekend, Anna Berman says, Fundstrat expects 2019 to bring incremental improvements supporting higher crypto prices. So this had, wow, 13,614 total views. This is the second time Anna Berman hit a home run. She's bringing the thunder with her articles. New York-based research company Fundstrat Global Advisors has released its 2019 crypto outlook. Um, so this is Tommy Lee's thing. Uh, Fundstrat's co-founder and pro-crypto Wall Street analyst Tommy Lee has commented on the study. In his Twitter, he posted an introduction to the study and infographics that trace key market tendencies. Here's a quote. We see nine incremental improvements in the landscape that ultimately support higher prices. He's been saying this every year. He's he's a permable, wouldn't you say, Jesse? Who? Tommy Lee. Oh, yeah. On Strat. Sure. Here's another quote. Is 2019 the mainstream breakout year? Nope. But that is not necessary for crypto prices to eventually bottom in 2019. And by the end of 2019, we expect prices to be staging a visible recovery. So I actually agree with that. I'm going to call the bottom, but it, it closely aligns with that. Um, do you think the bottom's happening this year? I do. I think the bottom's going to happen this year. And <laughs> I think we're going to see like slow recovery month over month. Like I'm talking about 1%, 2% gains month over month. And then uh-huh. six months after the happening in 2020, yeah. and I think the happening is in July or June. No, no, no. I think it's May. So what do you think is the bottom for Bitcoin price-wise? Ooh. I'm Chilla not wants to talk about price, so price, because that'll be the best way that you can. Because they were telling you on the the main Bitcoin podcast show to uh, say when the bottom is in time wise, date wise, but you could just go by price. So, like, what what price do you think will be the bottom for Bitcoin? I would say a price for Bitcoin's bottom would be. 2700 wow okay so you don't think like a thousand is possible 
anything lower than that. Let me see. I'm just curious. I'll look at a few different. No, I think a thousand's a little too low. A thousand's too low. Here we go. <clears throat> February. What's today's date? Sixteenth. Yeah, a thousand's too low for me. But I always like reading the ideas. Um, oh yeah. People have on Trading View. They're just funny. Yeah, the the it's almost like conspiratorial. They're like the seventh moon of the <laughs> Aquarian stage is set to fully actualize right around this day. And we all know that the number seven has high relevance in Asian culture, especially Chinese. It's funny. So I'm expecting a price increase of approximately 15.635%. And that is also going to have to align with Mercury retrograde. I've got 1900 as a possible bottom, 3225, 3100. Based on Fibonacci levels, I've got... Um, Let's be quasi-smart and just average all of the bottoms, and that can be uh, official just the header's bottom. Uh, so, so let's do that. You said 1900. Yeah, right, these are. One of them. I don't. I mean, I wouldn't weight them all equally. Like, if you just do like a like a standard mean arithmetic mean, yeah, that's not going to be the best way to do. It. We're not going to do a weighted average. Just. Oh uh, God. Nineteen hundred, right, thirty-one hundred. We've got thirty-two twenty-five. We've got oh, this dan downward channel can go pretty low. Twenty-seven hundred was mine. Um, so that in the ring. Eighteen forty-five. Ooh, that's low. Nineteen hundred, eighteen forty-five, something like that. Like the bottom of that downward channel so for that one, dude. two, three, four, five so far. Uh, what about this one? Let's get one Let's... more. Let's see, downward trend and bottom. Twenty nine seventy two. All right, that's it. We're gonna use six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, the official just the header's bottom is $2,623.67. When price it's there, you need to be buying some fucking Bitcoin. Boom, we did it. Super math. We super mathed out on that. Super 26, math. 2632.67. Super math. No, wait. 2623. 66. You heard it here. $2,623.66, baby. Completely bullshit. No, dude. <laughs> you can't, can't do that. <laughs> All right, Monday's news. Wait, did you do... <laughs> yeah, you did. I did. Yeah, because people wanted, like, I guess Cello's right. Like, people want to hear, like, money talk. And there's your money talk. And yeah, there we're done. There's your money talk, baby. Money talk. It's a great show on NPR. I like that. Um, all right, here we go. First article for Monday. William Suberg, Cointelegraph. Fake MetaMask crypto malware pulled from Google Play after tip-off. Uh, 6,756 total views, 182 total shares. Decentralized app MetaMask is facing fresh problems from cryptocurrency scammers after malware impersonating the tool appeared on Google Play. Cybersecurity company ESET reported on February 8th. Malware, which replaces computer clipboard information in an attempt to steal cryptocurrency, was removed by Google at the beginning of the month after a tip-off from ESET researchers. Known as a, quote, clipper, the malware replaces copied cryptocurrency wallet addresses with an address belonging to an attacker in the hope that funds will be sent elsewhere without the user noticing. That's pretty cool. The discovery marked the first time such malware had made, had made it past Google's vetting procedures, the security firm notes. The clipper we found lurking in the Google Play Store detected by ESET Security Solutions as Android slash Clipper.c impersonates a legitimate service called MetaMask. Continuing, uh, ESET explained, continuing, 
The malware's primary purpose is to steal the victim's credentials and private keys to gain control over the victim's Ethereum funds. However, it can also replace a Bitcoin or Ethereum a wallet address copied to the clipboard with one belonging to the attacker. It's awesome. Good for that person. That is scary as shit. <clears throat> There's so many attack vectors on the internet and in crypto. How many what? Attack vectors. There's so For many ways to on lose mobile? your money. Huh? Yeah? Yeah. How many attack vectors for crypto on mobile? Like for mobile transactions? Yeah, like mobile transactions, transactions, period. Like it's it's, it's, uh, a it's world out there right now. too many. I don't know. Just, you know, don't be don't be foolish. Yeah. Use use like if you have a large enough amount of like crypto investments or whatever, crypto gamble, make sure you have like a hardware wallet. Make sure you follow mm-hmm. make sure you follow procedures. Yep. Correctly, it's all it, that's all there is to it. It's nothing, nothing complicated. That's why we just opened an opsec channel in our Slack to help you guys out. Like, don't be, don't be stupid. Use good judgment. Don't watch shady ass porn. You know, Pornhub's pretty safe. You're not gonna get a lot of shady links going on there. So, don't. I mean, I'm just keeping it real. Most porn is just, just virus laden. So, do you download porn? No, I don't. But oh, still, okay. maybe back when I was a teenager and I thought uh, it was cool, but uh, I don't do that anymore. Um, you're D. You make your own. <laughs> <laughs> you damn straight. Damn right. skippy. All right, let's keep it moving. <laughs> U.S. SEC highlights dedicated ICO guide amid ongoing regulatory debate. William Seberg, Cointelegraph, 4120 total views, 151 total shares. U.S. regulator, the SEC, has reiterated guidelines on ICOs in a tweet as efforts to formalize the sector continue. Uh, A dedicated section of the regulator's website now lists five aspects of ICOs the SEC considers essential, as well as a separate section for investors and market professionals. That's cool. Companies, there's a quote here, um, companies and individuals are increasingly considering ICOs as a way to raise capital or participate in investment opportunities. Oh, shit. A summary of the guide reads, We're quote, taking while, the world. while these digital assets and the technology behind them may present a new and efficient means for carrying out financial transactions, they also bring increased risk of fraud and manipulation because the markets for these assets are less regulated than traditional capital markets. Oh, bullshit. That's just the SEC making a case for their existence. Yeah. That's a big, a big a hunk, of, hunk, of, hunk of shit. Yo, uh, one, one of the um, things we don't have on, on here is like the Chapo thing. Have you been keeping up with that? Uh, I try to stay very far away from all things El Chapo related, but go ahead. I'll close my ears and you let the audience know. I'll close my ears. No, there's nothing. All right. All right. Last article for Monday. New proposed ETF would encompass Bitcoin futures alongside sovereign debt instruments. That's pretty cool. Um, okay, but it's just a proposed ETF. Mary Houlette, Cointelegraph, 3697 total views, 114 total shares. Reality Shares ETF Trust, a unit of crypto-focused fintech firm, Blockforce Capital, has filed a proposal for an exchange-traded fund that would invest in a portfolio which includes both sovereign debt instruments and BTC futures. The ECF filing was submitted to the U.S. SEC February 11th. ETFs are, yeah, it's just talking about it. All right, cool. So it's an ETF, and it's investing in debt instruments and BTC futures. That's all you need to know. It's called Reality Shares ETF Trust. It'll probably be listed on Robinhood if it gets passed. Are you going to sell all your belongings whenever an ETF is approved and buy crypto? Hmm... No, why? <laughs> I'm not. I was just asking if you were to see if you were one of those kind of people. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I am going to be very excited, but I, I, I've said this on the main show, and I'll keep saying it, and that is I think crypto is now poised for a very long-term gain. Not like... It's going to be one of those things where you, you turn on like CNN or Fox and they're like, 
Bitcoin's now worth like $27,000. But by that time, you're like 50 years old and you're like, oh, shit. Well, it's a good thing I've been buying it this whole time, I guess. I'll just give it to my kids. But, you know, uh, I think now that the in, the institutional financial incumbents, those guys, got their taste of crypto and were like, ah, we like it, but we can't really use it the way we want it. Now I think they're trying to shoehorn it to where it fits their game. And their game is to make predict like to make accuracy in their predictions while minimizing their risk. So they make big money moves. And I think now that they've like got a hold of the industry, they're setting it up to do that. Like we're seeing all these regulations, we're seeing SEC stomp down on stuff, we're seeing you know what I mean? It's just like they're setting it up for this is going to be an asset class that's going to exist for a long time. We want to make sure that we're in it the right way, our way. Sure. Of course, that's just prognostication, and I love that word, prognosticate. Yep. I learned a new word. It's called invagination. Excuse me. Go on. Yeah. The word uh, is invagination. What is uh, what what is is it about things going in the vagina? <laughs> no, it's about creating uh, like a like a like a dip. Um, they they use it to describe um cell separation. Interesting. So, so yeah, it's like a pocket when you form a pocket and goes, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, like when a cell so when you splits, make a pocket. Yeah. Hot invaginations instead of hot pocket. <laughs> that just doesn't sound right <laughs> at all. That sounds all the way wrong. I know, that's what makes it so right. <laughs> okay, um... Okay. Never stop learning, D. I agree. I'm like, I'm gonna be a lifelong learner. A lifelong <laughs> learner. I'm try to use that as a line on my girl this weekend. Like, <laughs> hey, you want to do some invagination? No, no, no. It's not a verb. It's can, can I can I play with your invagination? That's just too much, Jesse. You, <laughs> took over, you just took it over the line. You just took it over the line. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it could be anything. It could be any pocket. And then you keep like, saying pocket as if that's not already a term that alludes to. Yeah, it's like it's like, hey, those those jeans look good with all those invaginations. Because <laughs> they're pockets. <laughs> that's never going to be taken the way it's supposed to be taken in a <laughs> conversation. All you're ever going to get is, what the fuck did you just say? What did you use? Anyways. Oh, dude, how's your Valentine's? Uh, It was good. Spent it with Valentine's, man. Oh, yeah, dude. I got to go to a Krispy Kreme. I got to get that heart-shaped donut. I am about the heart-shaped pizza from, from Papa John's. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I've been craving pizza, but I, I didn't let myself get any pizza. I haven't for the past few weeks, but maybe it's time. It is time. Okay. Let's keep it moving. So what what do you guys get from that? ETF, another one's proposed. Boom shakalaka. <laughs> moving on to Tuesday's news. We have an article written by Anna Alexander that has 6,223 views. Overstock founder says blockchain can make government incapable of being bribed. Mm, powerful words, Mr. Byrne. Mr. Patrick Byrne from Overstack.com says that blockchain can make government super super efficient and incapable of being bribed. Um, here's a quote. We could step into Venezuela with six laptops and create not only a functioning society, but arguably one of the most advanced government systems in the world. We could bring them a central bank on the laptop. Everyone in Venezuela downloads a free app, and suddenly you have the most advanced monetary system on the planet. I love this guy, by the way. He's got his PhD in philosophy, and I love philosophy. I think it's the ultimate way to do a lot of work and no work at the exact same time. 
Yeah. And so, I mean, don't you? I love being philosophical sometimes. Like, I'm thinking as hard as I possibly can, getting no real work done, but just contributing, like, preparing myself to greater conversations. Um, but anyways, I like him. Um, here's another quote, but this quote is from the a Harvard professor uh, of economics and public policy, Kenneth Rogoff. He says that uh, the right way to think about cryptocurrency coins is as lottery tickets that pay off in a dystopian future where they are used in rogue and failed states. Or perhaps Ooh, that's, a countries... good, that's a good description. I like that. Ooh. Or perhaps in countries where citizens have already lost all semblance of privacy. It is no coincidence that dysfunctional Venezuela is the first issuer of a state-backed cryptocurrency, the Petro. I don't agree with how they're un, how they're putting in crypto though in Venezuela, right? Like Nicolas Maduro, we've we, we've read tons of articles about that, and there are a lot, uh, there is a lot of media coverage in multiple different uh, mediums, whether through radio shows, um, articles, like journalistic, investigative journalism on the country itself, mm-hmm. and his practices. Um, it's not. Crypto isn't helping that country the way it should be. Um, So I actually would argue against this article, like in in the way that it says blockchain can make government incapable of being bribed. Well, what if the government itself releases its own crypto in the case of Venezuela? Then that's just that's just bad, though. Yeah, they they don't need to be bribed. They control the value. Exactly. So, like, that's not good. Like, if Bitcoin was adopted by Venezuela, that's a different thing. But because the government, specifically President Maduro, is pushing the, um, is pushing his, um, Petro, the, the different day-to-day problems with adopting the Petro are are different because of the way that he's changing the way people earn and the way people are taxed versus their existing um, Venezuelan pe- or uh, uh, Venezuelan bolivars. Yeah, it's it's. But the thing is, you're touching on is that no government is going to be willing and able to give up control, and that's what Bitcoin forces them to do. If you want to get the pros of Bitcoin, you've got to say as a government, yeah, we can't control this, but it is a great medium exchange, and it is a great store of value, and we say it is legal tender. So, I think the first country to do that and do it right with you know, enough foresight is, is going to be a country that makes themselves future-proof going into the 21st century further further into the 21st century i think you'd have to own it's like similar to the the way that the u.s has its dollar pegged to oil and i mean oil production isn't really here in the u.s as much as it is in the middle east i thought it was raising a lot i thought tech i thought the u.s was one of the first not one of the it is now it is now the biggest producer of oil now but it wasn't um, back when you know nineteen. What is it? Nineteen eighty. Oh, back in the seventies and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Monroe Doctrine was what nineteen eighty six, or not the yeah. Monroe Doctrine? Um, not the God, Monroe. What is it? Monroe Doctrine is control over South America and kicking the the Europeans out of all their colonies. Um, nineteen eighty. What is it? When we go off gold standard. 1971. Ah, oh, man. Okay. So 1971, Nixon went off gold standard. But what was 1986? That For some reason, that date is sticking um, in my mind. In my when mind. We, when did the U.S. The Monroe Doctrine was in the 1800s, according to this quick Wikipedia glance. Yeah, it's really old. Monroe Doctrine is super old. Um, okay. Oh, wow. Um, 
Bretton Bread Woods is what I'm ride. thinking of. And it says 1944 was the Bretton Woods Conference. Um, that's when the UK and its allies discontinued linking their currency. Anyway, what I'm getting at is... I hope that whoever is... like, If, if China is mining most of Bitcoin and, say, the U.S. adopts cryptocurrency or specifically Bitcoin to run alongside the U.S. dollar, I hope that we don't become chained to China economically. Mm. But we already the way are that chained to economic, uh, uh, chained, chained to China. <laughs> <laughs> we already are chained to China economically. Yeah, but that's a pretty strong chain. Yeah. China can't do stuff without us. We can't do stuff without China. We fight on the outside, but uh, behind the scenes, we're like, all right, like, make sure you ship that shit, because I gotta ship this shit, so... Well, like, globalization, you can argue that we're yeah. all chained together, but, like, those are, like, tiny chains. Like, the connection economically between the U.S. and, like, I don't know, Mozambique or something like that is, like, that's a that's a really thin chain. That's, like, a thread. But then, like, you know, China to the U.S., that's, like, a thick shackle. And you're only gonna make it worse if you have... If you make a new instrument, if if you make a new financial instrument that is based on the work output by another country, like that on that scale, I don't know. Mm. It would just be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm not an economics major, so I, I think can't... that I think it's inevitable that like globalization one is inevitable two. We need globalization to work, and we need it to work well to do greater things that humans like to do. Oh, I'm not arguing against globalization. I'm I'm arguing against the fact that that a 51% attack by China, if the U.S. is running Bitcoin as its second fiat alongside the U.S. dollar, like China could screw with the U.S. in that regard. But yeah, I gotcha. All right, so let's go to Tuesday's uh, next article. I think actually, yeah, I'll, re- I'll help you with uh, Tuesday's article. So the second article for Tuesday, uh-huh. crypto asset brokerage from Uber's ex-CTO goes public on Canadian exchange. Mary Hewlett, Cointelegraph, 31, 15 total views and 129 total shares. Crypto asset brokerage Voyager Digital, co-founded by the ex-CTO of Uber, has gone public on Canada's TSX Venture Exchange. The news was announced in an official tweet from Voyager on February 11th. Uh, Shares are traded under the ticker symbol uh, VYGR.V, as the company blog post outlines. Uh, Last week, Voyager had announced that its merger with former shell company UC Resources Limited was nearing completion. Um, The move... uh, The moved... The move allows the crypto brokerage to qualify as a TSX Venture Tier 2 company. Generally, a reverse takeover occurs when a privately held company merges with a publicly traded company, therefore bypassing at least some of the bureaucratic scrutiny involved in the process of going public. I've seen that. That's interesting. Yeah. Reverse mergers are, are happening, it seems, a lot lately. Yeah. It's uh people trying to... Um... Trying to do scammy things, but legally. That's what I see it as. Um, why is Brock Pierce always involved in some <coughs> scammy shit? Is this Brock Pierce? Yeah. Oh. I'm talking about the Mount Gox thing. Am I on the right article? Um, I'm on the second article of oh, Tuesday. Oh, sorry. I was on the third article. My bad. Yeah. Nope. That's that's all you, though. Um, Yeah. So Tuesday, you can read off that last article from Tuesday. Yes. The last article from Tuesday says... That the former Mt. Gox Mark Carpiles rejects Brock Pierce's plans to reboot the exchange. So Brock Pierce is going to pull a straight up fire festival and reboot uh, the Mt. Gox exchange. If you're not familiar with Mt. Gox, it's okay. But Mt. Gox started the previous bear market uh, because 80% of the volume went through Mt. Gox. And then there was a lot of shady stuff happening. Um, and I think hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin were lost. And um, it was just a tough time for everybody. I think Corey even had some Bitcoin on Mt. Gox. Um, but 
let's read. Marco Puelez, the former CEO of the now defunct Bitcoin exchange Mt. Gox, has refuted controversial crypto figure Brock Pierce's claims he can rebuke the trading platform and accelerate compensation for Mr. Gox's creditors. Carpilas made his remarks in private correspondence with Cointelegraph, Cointelegraph Japan on February 12th. As reported, Pierce, a crypto entrepreneur who co-founded blockchain capital Block.1 and EOS Alliance, is attempting to galvanize a Gox rising movement purporting that creditor recovery would be speedier if certain legal and technical barriers were to be, were to be overcome. The plan also includes creating a united, tokenized foundation for creditors. Uh, his long-term aim is avowedly to reboot the platform, uh, which notoriously suffered a hack in 2011, resulting in a loss of 850. Sorry, 2014, resulting in a loss of 850,000 Bitcoin, valued at roughly 460 million dollars at the time, and about three billion dollars at press time. So. Um, yeah, long story short, Brock Pierce is trying to do some shady shit again. He's trying, he's trying to relaunch I think he's Mt. looking Gox. for money. Huh? He's looking for money to attract more creditors. Yeah. yeah Maybe yeah. his company. Yeah. So it's really what it is. It's about money, finding money. So here's a quote. The letter of intent is a proposal which was supposed <laughs> to result in an agreement within 45 days on condition of approval by the court the trustee and or anyone the court appoints. Um, this is Car- this is Carpella's, by the way, saying this. As for, as I know, no agreement was reached within 45 days, nor did the court and the trustee approve such an agreement. We were working with our lawyers at the time in good faith to follow the terms defined there, but failed to hear back from the Sunlot after the assured they after they assured they were working on this including assisting and getting approval from the court. So that's all we need. Mount Gox, part two. Lose your money even harder. That's that's what's happening. Yeah. All right. Moving on from Tuesday, headed into Wednesday. All right. I got you Wednesday. So wednesday's article first article starts uh with talking about the nasdaq stock exchange to start offering btc and eth indices this is brought to you by bitcoin.com by jeffrey gogo 5647 eyeballs the nasdaq stock exchange will start offering real-time information on two new indices tied to the cryptocurrency market bitcoin core and ethereum both indices will be included on the exchange's existing platform of indexes Indexes, sorry, starting uh, February 25th. Uh, the Bitcoin Liquid Index, BLX, and the Ethereum Liquid in- Index, ELX, will, quote, provide a real-time spot or reference rate for the price of one BTC and one ETH, respectively, quoted in USD and based on the most liquid ends of their markets, said NASDAQ in an online statement published February 11th. <clears throat> The BLX is one of the most widely referenced BTC indices among uh, crypto traders and has been calculated back to 2010. Likewise, the ELX has been calculated back to 2014. That was a quote from the NASDAQ exchange. I'm not really sure. Is that true? Mm -hmm. What price? Well, so I I thought originally all the exchanges formed the their price, their average price based on the aggregate um, volume, trade volume between all the exchanges of, you know, a Bitcoin to dollar, for example. Honestly, uh, you lost me a little bit. I've been thinking about that pineapple. Oh, okay. Um, um, get, get me back on. Get me back on where we at. So when, when Coinbase says that one Bitcoin is worth, 3500 US dollars. Mm-hmm. That price of 3500 US dollars is essentially in my mind originally was explained by everybody by all exchanges as the aggregate of the average prices of all the other exchanges according to their trading volume. So it's a it's a weighted average. Yes, this is correct. But now the Nasdaq is saying that their Ticker, BLX, which represents the Bitcoin Liquid Index, 
is one of the most widely referenced BTC indices among crypto traders. I've never well, used the BLX. Because it's a BTC indice. It's not. It's not. It's just an indice. It's not a. Yeah, but have you ever used the BLX? Have you ever no. used the Bitcoin Liquid Index on Nasdaq? Because I know I haven't. I haven't used the BLX or the ELX. Yeah, why are they saying it's it's one of the most widely referenced indices? This is new. Oh, is what? Is sponsored ad? Um, no, it's no not. It says the two indices were created by Brave New Coin. I don't even know, like, like I, I've seen that name, Brave New Coin, but I don't... Brave New Coin is like a non-profit. Their, their whole deal is trying to get cryptocurrency... They try to educate policy makers on cryptocurrency. When were they created? Long time ago, baby. Like 2013, 2012. I'm curious. Hold on. Um... Can you Let's can you take over the article? Coin. Yeah, yeah I'll I'm, take I'm, over the article. It's I'm looking. One. Yep. So, um, let's keep looking. So March 11th, 2014, is when the BLX index was created by Brave New Coin. So it doesn't. Like, yeah, sure, it dates back to 2010, but it's not been used. Apparently, people are using it a lot. I guess. So, I don't know, weird. dude. I don't know. They're lying. It's or just weird. an indice, though. I mean, now it's sellable, but before that, it was just an indice. So the two new indices uh, joined several d dozen of NASDAQ indices, including the NASDAQ Composite, its main index, and the NASDAQ 100. Well, let's global check. Index data service. So let's so, check coin market caps um, price average, and let's check BLX. We can check BLX on probably TradingView or something. So BLX here, Brave New Coin Liquid Index for Bitcoin. And BLX spot price for Bitcoin is $35.86 and 96 cents. And coin market cap is at $36.32 and 15 cents. And Coinbase is at Oh god, I need an authenticator. Um all right, I don't have that. Coinbase. Bitcoin price. Oh, here we go. It's thirty-five ninety-one and sixteen cents. So let's see. Yeah, see, like these these are all over the place. So we got thirty-five eighty-six and ninety-six cents by BLX. We got thirty-five ninety-one and sixteen cents by Coinbase, and then we've got thirty-six thirty-two and fifteen cents by Coin Market Cap. So the spots are all over the place. Anywhere between, so by volume, Bitmex. I mean, Bit, Bitmex wins out against all the exchanges by volume. They're, they're at thirty-five ninety-one. Coin Coin Binet or Coin Bean is thirty-six twenty-nine. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's that's going to be interesting for like large traders like that are trading in you know the millions yeah. of dollars worth of crypto it's going to be interesting how they well, like, um blx was the smallest right blx was this this the, the lowest price um no you just that's, listed it's not true Didn't you just uh, yes of the, of the three of the three of the three that i listed yeah. but there are many more exchanges because blx is is not that's based on their aggregate of all the exchanges, they're not an exchange themselves, right? Yeah. Like, they're I mean, not actually. So I wonder why they run it on the lower side. But that's the beauty of an index, right? Is that it, it, the index itself becomes popular, and then people are buying the index. And so then the, it's, it's just a, an index is just a derivative of the other values. That's all. But I think it's kind of cool that Brave New Coin has an index. I didn't know that. I thought they were just like the the lobby, the white hat lobbyists of the crypto community. So that's yeah. really cool. Well, I'll just take you to the next article.
Yep. All right. So second article for Wednesday, Chinese Bitcoin billionaire Zhao Dong believes crypto spring will come in 2020. 75, 28 total views, 330 total shares. Anna Berman, Cointelegraph. And that that is, it is what it is. He owns a substantial stake in Hong Kong-based crypto exchange Bitfinex and recently participated in a discussion held in the chat dubbed the public chain alliance crossing the bulls and bears elite team. He... He has a lot of Bitcoin. And he, for the long-term perspective, Zhao Dong said in the chat that crypto spring is only coming in 2020, while the crypto summer will not arrive until 2021. So Hmm. there you go. And then the last article for Wednesday, Buterin proposed Constantinople, Ethereum feature allegedly introduces attack vector, 6,039 total views, 158 total shares, Adrian Smudzinski, Cointelegraph, Vitalik Buterin has proposed a new smart contract creation function dubbed Create2. This function reportedly introduces a new attack vector to the platform. According to a post on the Ethereum Developers Forum, Ethereum Magicians published February 8th. According to a Medium article, uh, Medium post by software developer Tim Cotton, the original Create function creates a new contract at an address that is calculated through a hash function with the creator's address and a random number nonce is associated with it. Create2, on the other hand, reportedly does the same, but with the difference that the contract is created at an address that can be determined beforehand by different parties. <coughs> huh. More specifically, the CIP would allow for interactions, quote, with addresses that do not exist on chain yet, but can be relied on, relied on to only possibly eventually contain code. This EIP has been approved and is scheduled for mainnet deployment in the con- in the upcoming Constantinople hard fork, according, according to a consensus blog post. However, chief scientist at blockchain startup Endorse Rajiv Gopalakrishna uh, has suggested that the Create2 implementation in Ethereum could have negative security implications for the platform. According to him, Create2 implies that smart contracts, contracts will be able to change their address after being deployed. Yeah. Um, Interesting. The quote from him that points out the attack vector says, doesn't this change a major invariant assumed by users today and introduce a potentially serious attack vector with Create2? Doesn't this mean that any contract post Constantinople with a self-destruct function in its code is now more suspect than before? So, we'll Uh, see. I feel like the Ethereum community doesn't try awful hard to not complicate these things. Uh, but that's okay because they're building infrastructure level things. So, you know, I guess that's cool. It's just, interesting. just huh? It's interesting to see what what's going to happen because you know we get all these articles about uh, about exchanges. Well, no, because like we get exchange hacks, we get um, exploitation of like functions, like certain Ethereum functions that result in people losing money. Um, so it's just going to be more articles because of this potentially in the future. If, if in, in the implementation side of things from new Ethereum developers. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I think Ethereum still has so far to go. It's just such a forward thinking idea that people just can't grasp it. Like in, but I do know that like, however forward thinking bitcoin was ethereum probably multiplied that by 500x and so the asymmetrical upside as an investment i think is a lot more concentrated powerful when it comes to ether hashtag not investment advice but yeah anyways uh are we on we're moving it on the thursday Yep, he got Thursday. We're getting efficient at this. Last week we did we let some people down though. We only had like the forty minute episode. They were like, "I'm so saddened. I wanted more." I was like, "Well, I mean, hopefully this episode gives them some more." Yeah. Um. So Anna Alexander, five thousand one hundred four total views. This is written Thursday. Coinbase users can now withdraw BSV to external wallets. Uh, major American cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase now allows its users to withdraw Bitcoin's SV bounces to external wallets, according to an announcement published on February 14th. So, uh, in case you guys don't know, Bitcoin Cash forked, which is just, I guess that's the culture. 
Bitcoin Cash. And now there's Bitcoin Cash and, and Bitcoin SV, uh, which SV stands for Satoshi's Vision, right? Am I right about that? Um, I didn't know that. I just know Bitcoin Cash yeah. forked a whole bunch the of S- times. The SV acronym stands for Satoshi Vision, uh, representing the goal of building the cryptocurrency as it was conceptualized by the Bitcoin develop. I just am getting so annoyed with that community. Like, I am. Imagine if the first white paper on the automobile is the only automobile we've ever been allowed to have. So, the Model T, that's it. It's as good as it gets. That's it. Yeah, no so carburetor. Is, 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 no... Bitcoin, is, is Bitcoin the Model T, and is the Model T done? No, I don't think Bitcoin is the Model T. I think that people that subscribe to Satoshi's vision, Satoshi's white paper as the as the end all be all of Bitcoin, I think that's the model T. It's software. It's it's got to it, it's got to evolve and change dependent upon the demands necessary. If you're just increasing the block size, you know, that that's not going to get us where we need to be. And I, there's a lot of people that argue with me on that, but that's just kicking the can down the road in my opinion. When it comes to scalability. So, um, if anybody listening to this wants to come on debate, debate me. I'm cool with that. We can do that debate. Um, I, you're not going to change my mind though, but we can, we can have that debate. Um, moving well, on. That's not a debate. If you're huh? not going to, if you're not willing to change your mind, that's not a really good debate, is it? No, it is. Isn't there a guy on YouTube that's like, I, there, there's only two gingers. Cha- genders change my mind. Yeah, Steven Crowder. Yeah, that guy. Or is that yeah, just for show? He's, he's doing it for no. He, he's he has the science. He has the campus talks, but he's yeah. just doing it for views. He's monetizing that. Yeah. He's not doing it to actually. Ch- yeah. So yeah, I mean, for okay. views, for money, yeah. But for like actually improving your perspective, like I I I I agree with you. It'd be hard to change change your mind on that specific thing um but yeah okay well maybe i am willing to change my mind because there was one point in history if you're a real bitcoin podcast fan you could you could see right around episodes 80 to 150 i was kind of i had a little hard on for bigger blocks but then once I did a little bit of the research and found out, oh that's going to mess up propagation times oh it's going to lead to centralization faster um, then I changed my mind. So, I don't know. Maybe I'd be willing to change it back. Next article. Anna Berman, 2,435 views. Messenger giant Kaukau spent $57 million on new tech, including blockchain, in quarter four of 2018. My news voice is getting better. Kakao? Yeah. Oh, I didn't say that right? I don't know. I okay. just wanted to say it. Kakao! South Korean internet giant and messaging app operator Kakao Core has published its Q4 2018 report that covers blockchain and AI operating expenses. Korean news website ZDNet reports Thursday, February 14th. Kakao. Take it away. In Q4, in Q4 2018, Kakao's consolidated operating income was 4.3 billion uh, Korean won, which is about 3.8 million. At the same time, the company's operating expenses related to new businesses such as blockchain and AI was 65 billion won, or 57.5 milli, which reportedly led to a net loss for the whole period. I want to wrap this up with the concluding paragraph. In November 2018, Kakao established a subsidiary in Singapore in order to attract foreign investment with cryptocurrencies. Uh, it expected to attract about 100 billion won, or 88 milli worth of investment from venture capital invest in institutional investors through Clayton in December. The following month, the number of Clayton's partners reportedly increased from 9 to over 30. Ooh. Clayton. Nine over 30. Curious about that company. I'm going to look it up. That's like a 3.33. It's a 233% increase in the number of investors. Um... Clayton. That sounds like some like that sounds like the start of a plot of a Rush Hour movie. Like if Rush Hour 4 
it was starting up, it would do deal with some of this shadiness right here. Mm, fraud alert. Fake Clayton tokens on crowd sale. We have noticed recently noticed that is an ongoing crowd sale for fake Clayton tokens via fraudulent websites. We clearly notify that Clayton is not doing any sort of token sales for the public. All official news or updates will be announced only via Kakao official webpage. Kakao. Kakao. Clayton's official webpage and Ground X's official webpage. Any information about us distributed on other channels is highly fraudulent, fraudulent so please beware. Mm. Clayton. They got a cool website. Not as cool as some other ones. They want to build a UI uh, that is... Pepe, do we have anything to do with this? Yeah, no. This is dumb. This is okay. dumb. It's dumb. Moving right along to the last article. You know we don't do zero confirmation news, but this last article here, I... Oh, my God. Ooh, it's got a lot of views. 24,180 <laughs> views. People really care about this. Holy cow. You've heard it before. You're about to hear it again. JP Morgan Chase is to launch JPM coin using crypto to speed settlements. I'm not going to read anything in here. You, you know what that is, so I don't have to read anything in there. And that's it with the show. We're going to wrap with that dookie butter. <laughs> All right. Doo-doo Butter Jones article coming at you from Jesse Santi. It's Jesse the man broke. Um, that's it. It's that's just funny. I thought it would be un- funny to end it on that note. <laughs> and the biggest shit coin to rule them all <laughs> is launching. Um, well, that's it, guys. That's it for the news this week. If you enjoyed the headlines, if you want to know if there's more, believe me, there are hundreds a week, and we only give you 15. So if there's more news, you know, a lot of it's dupes, but some of it's not. You can click the link in the show notes, and it takes you to the database we collected. And you can poke around, not poke around, but you can look at the headlines as they come in. Leonard, I will be adding more headlines, the ones that you submitted. Uh, so I'll get those queued up and ready to go. Um, yeah, so let's wrap this. Uh, please join the Slack if you go to the BitcoinPodcast.com. And you click the Slack button, or like Taylor Moynihan from My Crypto did, she did a Control F and typed in Slack and took her straight to it. You can join that Slack. You, you'll see the rules of engagement there. You can join the Slack and join the conversations. Jesse's here. I'm here. Uh, we'll respond as conducive with our lives. Um, we have we have this is an exclusive, Jesse. We have played with the idea of of giving people special like stickers that say that they are admin and they are basically the community overlords. <laughs> so. What is that like a, like an icon or like a, like some sort of yeah. color change in Slack? Yeah. Like a, like an icon that they can put up there or something. Okay. We'll, we'll get it sorted. Um, but we've thought about that because there's a lot of people talking all the time and we want it to be as active as possible. Like we want a lot of great conversations to be, um, you know, budded and seeded in there. You know, you know, like in my discord. Yeah. You know how there's different, like there's like server admin streamers, content creators, moderators. And then you have like, you've got it all partitioned out. Yeah. You can do that in Slack. I think you can. Oh, okay. So we're looking at some things. If you haven't noticed, we're on a mission to build a pretty great community this year uh, because uh, Crypto Twitter sucks, and we think that we have such a great community. It's like a uh, it's like a hidden gem of all of crypto. So go ahead and join up. Uh, of course, go follow twitch.com slash the Mexican Filipino. And you can see Jesse do streaming things. We're gonna do a uh, oh, cello. Days. Cello wanted to play Apex Legends. He did, and there are three of us. That is a perfect number. We mm. can totally do it. 
We could. Back on my PC, I could do it. I could do it really well, too. Should do it. We should. When do you want to do it? Official. I don't know. Maybe like once a week. Let's link up with. Well, my thing is, is like I'm spending. I'm 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 not in Texas as frequently as I used to be. Oh, gig. So. Okay. But I bet you I could run on my laptop. It's not. Doesn't look like that tough of a game. Oh, it's pretty bad. It. it, Yeah. I run everything on load. Just, just yeah. It's it's pretty. It's pretty hefty. Okay. Well, never mind then. Um, but anyways, enough of our future plans, uh, what we aim to do to give you guys more reasons to watch the things that we do. I don't know. Uh, go to the Bitcoin and that's about it. Uh,